This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is brought to you by BidSquare. BidSquare.com is an online platform where you can explore and bid online during an actual live auction. Browse and bid on a curated selection of fine art and antiques from over 90 trusted and vetted auction houses. BidSquare is the destination for collectors seeking exceptional, one-of-a-kind pieces. New art and decorative items are added every day. You can leave a bid or bid real-time during any auction. BidSquare's innovative technology connects you with trusted auction houses all around the world. Registration is free. Sign up now on www.bidsquare.com. Thanks for listening to the Arc Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. This week's episode of the podcast, we're here with Gavin Talenti, the Hoffman Family Senior Curator of Contemporary Art at the Dallas Museum of Art. The Dallas Museum of Art currently has a fantastic Jackson Pollock exhibition, which Gavin curated, and he's here to talk with us about it. Gavin, thanks for speaking with us. Pleasure. How are you doing? Doing well. I saw the exhibition. It was fantastic. So congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I was curious when I was going through it. Uh, I'd love to hear in terms of the current Jackson Pollock show, if you could just take us through uh, the process of how you go about identifying the works that you wanted to include in the exhibition, then what it, what it took to f- actually find these works around the world once you decided which ones you wanted to include. And lastly, how were you able to convince the owners of these current artworks to lend them to you for the show? All very good questions. Um, the f- taking them one by one. The first one, it was a simple plan really in that um, at the time uh, when I started working on the project I was I was working for the Tate in Liverpool and the Tate of course have two great black paintings one of which is number 14 1951 and it was hanging uh, um, just outside my office and one evening I found myself staring at this work and I thought where are all these paintings and and you know a, a provisional look into their presentation. Um, so in 1968, William Lieberman had shown 17 of the curator, William Lieberman had shown 17 of those paintings, the black paintings made between 51 and 53, had shown 17 of them at MoMA. Um, and then in 1980, uh, Francis O'Connor had shown 11 of the paintings in, in at the ICA. And by 1998, Kirk Varnado and Pepe Carmel had shown nine of them in their exhibition. So in the in the kind of two major um, Pollock exhibitions ever assembled, there was a diminishing appearance of these works. And I thought to myself, quite simply, why? And wouldn't it be interesting, with the benefit of some 50 years that have passed, to assemble them together, together, and and to see what it, what they looked and felt like today. And so that was. That was the the driver, and I I knew roughly there was, you know, although Pollock made approximately 50 of these pictures, several are lost, and I knew there were about 35 out there in the world. And my original goal was to assemble 20, because I said to myself, well, if Lieberman had 17 and 67, if I get 20, I can confidently say we've assembled the largest collection of the black paintings ever and we ended up with 32 of them which was much to my surprise um the second question how does one extrapolate the works from the public and private collections um you you almost have to call in every favor um of everyone you've ever met in the art world (laughs) and um that is an extend that's extended to museum directors and heads of exhibitions and conservators and 
you know, private individuals and you you have to convince them of the thesis of the show. And in this instance, it was a, you know, a very clear thesis, you know, let's, let's give these pictures the the credit that they deserve and and to present them in a way that makes them shine and to be magnificent and 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 not for them to be a kind of appendix to his classic drip period between 1947 and 50 and that these are uh, an important valid and in many instances triumphant combination of everything he'd learned in his career and so armed with that kind of paragraph in my head I, I I was dispatched the length and breadth of the United States and further afield to you know many parts of Europe Asia and trying to convince and, and, and to communicate in the clearest possible way the importance of the show and what a show of this ambition and magnitude you it's not something you can do via email or phone it's you have to do it face to face and and that was it. And I just sort of convinced myself and my team that we could do it. And um, we did our best. We did our very best. Um, what was, remind me of the third part of the question? When you met with the owners of these works face-to-face, in terms of convincing them to lend the works for the show, was that, you know, it seems like it was a pretty successful pursuit. I guess it was just telling the story of the exhibition and what you wanted to bring these paintings back together, that was enough to get them to participate? Yeah, I think, you know, I would lie if I said that it was always seamless. You know, a, a show like this, which takes three, in fact, it was four years from start to finish, it's a roller coaster ride of exhilaration and terror. And some, some days you get lucky and, you know, you, you meet with an institution or an individual um, on the spot and things click and, 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 and you, you leave with work successful and other, other times it's repeat visits. It's, you know, it's trust. It's it's building up, um, uh, a rapport and a relationship with the lender and for them to really believe that what you're doing is, um, not only scholarly and important, but is, is going to be handled with the utmost care and respect and, and that their pictures and works on paper and sculptures will will return, you know, in 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 in, in perfect shape. And um, so it it just it just takes patience and um, and 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 respect. You know, there are and interesting enough, there are there are a number of individuals whom I know who didn't lend, and um, I don't. I, I admire them greatly, and I, I, you know, because these people had the foresight and ambition and passion to acquire these works at a time when sometimes they weren't universally loved. And so, whilst they didn't lend to this show, I, I feel proud that they had seen the show in some instances, and and that they feel that it's done a great service um, and to the black paintings. What does having a high-quality, critically acclaimed exhibition such as the Pollock Show do for the city of Dallas? Well, I, I would hope that they're proud of it. You know, I think that or, or, or the audience I have found, I've been in Dallas for almost two years, but the audience I have found uh, here in the Metroplex between Dallas and Fort Worth are incredibly sophisticated. And, you know, I am thrilled um, that the show has been successful in terms of attendance and it's set to be one of the most successful shows in many many years and um, for the museum and that 
fills me with happiness and pride because it it's exciting to see you know entire families um and coming to the exhibition in fact the the um i have a 3 year old and a 1 year old and i was at the local park near my home just before the show opened um and i was pushing my 3 year old excuse me on a swing and as one does when you're in that situation and the, there was a guy Jason to me pushing his ch- toddler and we struck up a conversation and he heard my accent he was like where are you from and what do you do and I was just like oh we just moved here and he said um, anyway long story short he said oh maybe we should grab a beer sometime and he said I actually heard that there's going to be an amazing Jackson Pollock exhibition Wow! <laughs> and and I didn't reveal who I was or what I did or anything like that and I just thought I just nodded I said oh that's really interesting yeah that would be a really nice thing to do and it, it was at that moment and another anecdote within a taxi or with a taxi driver that I had quite early on that I knew that it was going to strike a chord with the or audiences here because it had somehow filtered its way into the minds of, you know, the general populace. And, and that was incredibly exciting and, um, you know, it has been. And so I hope that I hope that it, it 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 enhances what is an incredibly uh, rich cultural offer in in Dallas and in Texas and and I and I hope that you know I know that many people have have made it a like a quote unquote like destination exhibition where they've come in to see the show and I've had the privilege to to give tours and walk many people through the exhibitions that have come from out of town especially to see the show so i hope i hope it adds something to the texture and flavor of the city given the growth of the art market over the past decade or so and so much focus on art as an asset and the value of artworks as a curator of contemporary art how do you separate the art market from the actual art when you're contemplating artists to exhibit or try to acquire for the museum? Or should the art market be considered in this process? I think it should be considered. I, you know, I think that whilst my the art world is made up of many, many different universes almost, and um, the world that I operate in has been for my entire career that of an institution and um in most instances a collecting institution and but you don't exist in a silo or a bubble and I think that one must be cognizant of of the market and um of the commercial world and you know the critical world and the academic world and the curatorial world and all of these universes kind of touch upon one another um as part of a kind of art ecosystem um and i certainly um pay a great deal of attention to um how the market has grown exponentially um, over the years you know even during the short time that i've been involved in the art world relatively speaking um but I think one you have to you have to it's part of the role is to is to be sensitive and and open to um listening to the the barometer i guess the kind of um the the market barometer and it does play a part, but quite frankly. 75% of the decisions that are made are really driven by Scott, you know, they're driven by 
writing or research, like primary research, looking into artists. Um, uh, and often shows that you do lead to the next project that you do. So certainly in the years that I've been working on the Pollock exhibition, I've I've been I've through you know working in libraries or in 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 in, in archives and you know reading and absorbing and devouring as much as they could about this particular body of work by Jackson that the I came across artists and 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 texts and interviews um, that I wasn't familiar with and it's it, you know it sets off little flares in your mind and you think well that might be something to pursue afterwards or it makes you think about maybe sculpture in the 50s or it makes you think about the work that came immediately after these paintings or so I think for, for certainly for me often the artist or the project you're working on sort of guides you it's a signpost to the next direction that you would um, undertake. And there's a lot of buzz about Dallas, it seems, within the art world for its growing contemporary art scene. You know, in New York, you hear a lot about the Dallas art scene that's emerging, especially uh, regarding the annual 2 by 2 event, the charity event they have there, uh, several great museums, lots of private collectors. Since you moved to Dallas uh, a few years ago, what has been your impression of Dallas's art scene? And also more broadly, what do you think it takes for a city to really develop a healthy contemporary art scene? You know, Picasso once said, "You you must grow your own culture," and and I think that's a really great um, concept in that, you know, it's um, it's something that has to evolve organically, and and I think Dallas has done an incredible job at nurturing that organism that is could be described as the as the art scene here, the contemporary art scene. Um, certainly, the city are incredibly supportive. There is an increasing number of artists, you know, living, working, staying in Dallas. You know, I I could do studio visits. I try to undertake studio visits, and um, you know, every month with with uh, locally based artists. But it's be- it's becoming difficult even to just do it once a month. I might end up having to do it every other week. Um, it's very exciting. It's it's very dynamic. Things happen fast. You know. The my neighbors, whether it's the Nasher or the, um, Dallas Contemporary, the neighbors up the road in Fort Worth, you know, the the, the modern, the Kimball, you know, the Meadows Museum, and like the, 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 it's a kind of embarrassment of riches, uh, uh, the 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 level here. So I think it creates a healthy um, competition. <laughs> so we're all. We're all, it's driving us all to be better. And I think it's, I've found it to be a very healthy and very, and very hospitable and very um, friendly. People are incredibly friendly and want to help one another. And I think that is, that, that is somewhat unique to Dallas. And I think it really, there's a real strong sense of, of, Again, ambition and enthusiasm and belief that it can be, you know, the, you know, you can have the best of contemporary art in the heart of America. And the DMA is one of the few museums to offer free admissions. What has that initiative done for the museum's attendance and the DMA's uh, interaction with the city of Dallas? Are you seeing a different or even broader kind of audience at the museum as a result of this? Absolutely, absolutely. The attendance has grown exponentially. I think we're set to hit like seven hundred thousand this year. Um, diversity is increasing. We have 
you know, a a a large Ethiopian community in Dallas. We have a large, you know, we have large large communities of individuals who we are now seeing on a daily basis in the museum, and and I think that we're we're taking stock of that. It's important to us. We're you know, it that's the kind of thing that will drive certain programming. Um, for the museum because we know of particular audiences that are in the metroplex um i think it's a it's a it's a tremendous achievement it 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 predated my arrival but you know i think uh, speaking as someone who came out of the european context i think the the free admission is is i undoubtedly would not be in the position i'm in today um, if it was not for free admission in the museums, in the majority of the museums in, in, in Europe, because I could, you know, I could go with friends from, you know, the age of 10, 11, 12 onwards, we could, you know, you could wander in and look at pictures. And, and that is, is a gift. And it's, it's a, it's a real healthy, it's a sign of, and a, it's a sign of a healthy society. I think, and 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 um, and 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 I'm incredibly grateful that that uh, uh, is an offer that we can provide our audiences here in Dallas. Gavin, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and talking with us about the Pollock exhibition, as well as the getting your thoughts on the budding art scene in Dallas. And I definitely recommend our listeners see the Pollock show if they have the opportunity to. Uh, how long is it up for? It is here until the 20th of March, and uh, it is the exclusive venue, and these pictures will not be in the same room for the next 50 years, so there's your chance to come. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Great. Thanks again, Gavin. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast was brought to you by BidSquare. BidSquare.com is an online platform where you can explore and bid online during an actual live auction. Browse and bid on a curated selection of fine art and antiques from over 90 trusted and vetted auction houses. BidSquare is the destination for collectors seeking exceptional, one-of-a-kind pieces. New art and decorative items are added every day. You can leave a bid or bid real-time during any auction. BidSquare's innovative technology connects you with trusted auction houses all around the world. Registration is free, so sign up now on BidSquare.com.